better. Can you hear me now? All right. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about Joseph. It's a series I uh, told Pastor I was preparing six sermons on Joseph's life. And today, we are just beginning the first part. Whenever he gives me a chance, again, I will do the others. I think next week I'll be preaching too, so I'll do the second part. But uh, I want us to pray. Father, grant unto us obedient hearts, grateful minds, and bless our time together. Take all the glory, for you alone is worthy of that. Pray for Pastor Lee today and his family as they are out. Keep them safe and bring them back to us. Sound and whole. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And I'm going to read uh, chapter 30. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, and then go on to verses 22 to 26, just to give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about. Genesis 30. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. And said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel and he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Let's go to 22 and I'll read down to 26. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called him his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you know my service which I have done for you. Give me a child or else I'll die. Huh. That was very strong of Rachel, but she was desperate. She was desperate. Somebody might ask, why talk about Joseph? <clears throat> there are many other people in the Bible. Why Joseph? Well, I have some reasons. Let me start by saying 
The reason we're going to study Joseph is because Joseph was a godly man. Joseph was a godly man. In Genesis 41, verse 38, Potiphar had this to say about Joseph, that he was a man with God's spirit. There's nobody, he says, in the land like a man, Joseph, with God's spirit. And here's one commentator who has something to say about Joseph. We can get the slide. There we go. Uh, the expositories Bible commentator, one of my best commentaries that I use, said this about Joseph. Significantly, in all the book of Genesis, only Joseph is described as one who was filled with the spirit of God. Only Joseph. You would think, how about Abraham? How about Noah? But he says, after research and examination of the book of Genesis, only Joseph is given that he is filled with God's spirit. And we will see that as we study his life. The Bible is filled with stories of many men and women. Some of these were outstanding, others were just ordinary like you and me. But the one thing they all had in common was that they all had things written about them that was not flattering. Everyone from Adam to Paul, Peter, We don't have record of anything evil. Now, it doesn't mean he was sinless, only Jesus was. But Joseph was very unique. He was very, very godly. You know, this is another thing I like about the Bible. It doesn't flatter its leaders. If you read other religious books, they will talk highly of their leaders, never talk about their ills, Well, the Bible is not like that. Yeah, it's not like that. The second thing, why we should learn about Joseph, study Joseph, is that Joseph, his life is a picture of the life of Jesus. Joseph, in the Old Testament, or not Joseph in the New Testament, as you study his life, you will encounter that over 100 areas were shown where Joseph is a type of Christ. And we will point out some of these as we study in the series. Joseph's life stands as a model for what every believer should be. You know, God told Abraham in Genesis 18, 19, he wants Abraham's children to keep the way of the Lord and do justice. Well, Joseph is that good example. Joseph is that good example. Why should we study Joseph? Unresolved sins never go away. They live to confront us another day. We shall come across that in the study of Joseph. Number five reason, the story of Joseph is not so much about the success of Joseph but about God's faithfulness to his promises. 
When you read about Joseph's life in Genesis, you know, we are amazed at how strong his character was. But it's not so much about that. It was much more about God's faithfulness to his promises. Now, lastly, of why we should study about Joseph, the overall theme of Joseph's story and his life is summed up in uh, chapter 39 in this one phrase. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. It appears five times in chapter 39. In verse 2, verse 3, verse 5, verse 21, and verse 25. How important that phrase is. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. Note that when you read about Joseph's life, you will notice how strong that is. Now let us look at Joseph's family and his background. First, we want to look at his family. What was it made of? You know, some of us come from small, large families. And some of us have this saying that, oh, well, I am like this because my family was like that, right? We, we like to make those references. Well, Joseph's life blew everything out of the window when you talk about somebody who was raised in a very difficult and hard family. And then he came out to be somebody who was strong and a character with God. Family background. The first thing we notice about Joseph's family background are the circumstances around his birth. The circumstances around Joseph's birth. You and I were not accidents when we were born. Some people say that, oh, well, my mom did not really plan the pregnancy. I have news for you. <laughs> there are many people who have not controlled their sex life, but they don't go about having children all the time. Everyone who is born was born because God put them on this earth. Whether it was out of mistake, if you like, whether it was planned or not, God put you here for a purpose. And so was Joseph. There were some things about Joseph. Let's notice his birth was special. His birth was special. The name Joseph means Jehovah takes, Jehovah adds. His mom played on that word, Joseph. He says, God has taken away my reproach, but he had given me a son, and I hope he adds another son. In Genesis 30, 23, and 24, Rachel said, the Lord has taken away my reproach. 
And may he add another son. So Joseph's birth was special. How special? He was born because God's intervention to this family. It says in verse 22, and God remembered. You know, Rachel was desperate in verse 1. He says to Jacob, give me a child or else I'll die. Wow. She was desperate. And why was she desperate? Rachel was very loved by Jacob. And her mate was his sis her sister in their family. We'll come to that. But Jake, I mean Joseph was born because of God's intervention. That's what makes his birth special. And thirdly, he was the first child of Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel. So that's one circumstance of his birth. Let's look at the second circumstance of his birth. There was turmoil in the background. There was turmoil in the background at Joseph's birth. It was not smooth sailing. Now, Joseph was born into a family mixed up in a lot of controversies. If you think your family is a mess, wait till you meet Joseph's family. <laughs> oh, yes. Just wait as we study along. His dad has fallen in love with his cousin, a girl named Rachel, and made a deal with Rachel's father, Laban, to work for seven years to marry Rachel. Oh, none of you know about that because that is not in this culture. In the culture where I was born, yes, men will work for their wives, for their father-in-laws to marry their wives. <laughs> oh, yes. You make farm, not with machines, with your bare hands. Cultivate. So Jacob worked seven years to get married to Rachel in Genesis 29, 18. But Laban tricked Joseph. After the seven years came to end, Laban brought his older daughter, Leah, to Jacob as the wife. Ah, how disappointing. Well, Jacob did not find that out until the woman has come and they slept together. And then in the morning, he found out, uh-oh, was there a mistake? And you go, how did he not know? Well, in that culture, when newly married women came to their homes, they came at night, and then they were also veiled. There was something over their head that the man could not see until daybreak. So after seven years of working to get your wife, and the day of your wedding, the day after your wedding, you found out you have the wrong woman. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. These are the circumstances under which Joseph was born. And Jacob 
told Laban to his face, you tricked me. And Laban said, well, you know, our custom is the older daughter doesn't get, I mean, the younger daughter does not get married before the older daughter. <laughs> so you got to do another deal. All right, Jacob said, I love Rachel. I work seven more years. But there was a compromise on that deal. Laban said to Jacob, you work seven years, but you're going to have Rachel in one week. And he did. So, Jacob had to walk again. And then he got Rachel after one week, but walked seven years. Now, each of these ladies, Leah and Rachel, brought two other people into the marriage house. Rachel brought Bilhah as a maid. And Rachel, Leah brought Zilpah as a maid. So these are now four women under one roof. The stage was set for envy, jealousy, bitterness, as both sisters brought into their marital home the rivalries, sibling rivalries they have had in their parental home. So imagine that. This is the circumstance in which Joseph is coming. Now, adding to that turmoil, Leah had seven and six sons. After she came in, she had six sons for Jacob and a daughter. Her maid, Zippah, had two sons. And where's Rachel, the beloved wife? She was still without any child. She was still without any child. So tension began to be in the family. And Rachel took matters into her hands and said to Jacob, here's my maid. Let her have a child for you. And boom, two sons came out of that. Yeah. So here is the beloved wife, no child, but she's still beloved. And her maid has given child. And finally, here comes Joseph in verse 22. Before you see that, let me tell you something. I have seen and lived what Joseph experienced. Yes, let me show you this. Next slide, please. No, not that one. Slide number six. The slide with the four ladies. I'm sure that is it. No, that's the slide with the four ladies. You don't have that? The slide with the four women. There we go. All right. You see those four women? When I was growing up as a kid, those were the women of my dad. Four under one roof. The woman on the right was the senior wife. 
She did not walk. She didn't do anything in the house. All the other three women cooked, washed my dad's clothes, did everything. And she had no children. But she got every benefit. We all worked for her. The lady on the extreme left there is my mom, Marie. She's passed away now. Uh, passed away in 1984. I mean, 1980. Sorry. <laughs> she was 84 and passed away in 2011, February. But I have seen what Joseph came to see. I lived it. So there are four women under one roof when I was growing up as a kid. Yes. I just wanted you to know that. Okay? All right. Now, next slide. There was triumph in this family. Joseph is born. Jacob must have been very, very lucky. He considered himself lucky. The wrong slide there. There was triumph in the family. Triumph in Joseph. There you go. All right. So Joseph must have considered himself a very fortunate man to have 10 sons in a culture that respected and appreciated sons. No offense to you ladies, but in many cultures outside of some countries, the men were right there. In fact, yesterday I listened to the news from BBC in Nigeria, there's one state, yes, just last week, 2022, has now made a law that women who have been married to their men can now claim their properties after the man has died. 2022, they just made that law. 2022, River State in Nigeria just established a law. Before this time, if you and your husband labored for 26 years and he passes away, they have a house, they have a car, they have a business, it's done. The woman packs her bundles and go home. Oh, yes. So this is the culture that Joseph is born into, where men are important than women. There's triumph. Joseph is born, you know, there's... Jacob is pleased to have now a child with his beloved wife, Rachel. God remembered them. Let's look at the timing of the birth of Joseph. The timing of the birth of Joseph. And then I'll show you another slide.
and the lights went out. The timing of Joseph's birth could not have been any worse. But there were some good things about his timing. First, he was the 11th son of the family. Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter. Joseph was the 11th. But it did not appear he would have much future being the 11th son in a family, you know? When I was growing up, I was number six of my mom's 10 children and number seven of my dad's 27 children. You don't have much, you know, when you are that number. In the peck of order, you don't get much to say. Joseph did not have much to say. You know, he was number 11. So you would think after all the other 10 have said or had what the dad wanted to give, then it comes to him. So the timing of his birth was a little, you know, problematic. And you would think that nothing good will come out of this boy who is number 11 of 12. You know, he will always be the guy that other people will boss around, they'll pick on. But God saw something in Joseph that made him, even though he was number 11, to be on top. Be on top. And we'll find that out in our study of Joseph's life. They were not only circumstances and the timing of Joseph's birth, they were influences on Joseph's upbringing. Oh, we have the timing. Let's get those pictures again. They're one of the ten guys, the nine children, please. There we go. All right. Those are my siblings of my mom alone. All right. And we took this picture at our funeral. You can see the young man there in the middle. My older brother is the one on the left. You know, we did it by order of our place in the family, yeah? And I am right there in the middle. There was one between the first and the second, and he passed away. I did not even see him. You know, he died when I, before I was born. But this was taken uh, right there when we, the day we buried our mom, actually. And the reason we all had blue is because that was her favorite color. And she had said, when she dies, nobody wears black. We all should wear blue. So right there in our hometown, we took her and buried her. And by the way, just to let you know, there are four of us in that family are ministers. Yep, my older brother, my second brother, me, my younger brother, and my last sister are ministers in that family. But, so I know and I've lived and seen and felt how Joseph felt being born number 11 out of 12. You know, like I said, I was six out of that 10, 
and seven out of 27. Yeah. So the timing of his birth was not really anything that you would say would make Joseph be what he became. But the, there were influences on Joseph's birth, around his birth and his upbringing. First, there were internal influences. This was a dysfunctional home. A polygamous home, man-man, four wives under one roof, a recipe for trouble. Yes, I can say that from experience. There was preferential love shown to the mom of Joseph. There was envy and jealousy among the family. Rachel, jealous against her sister, Leah, Envious, and of course the brothers. There were several things that happened to make this a worse place to grow up. So we see the negative influences. There was dysfunctional things that happened that we will say, how did Joseph come out of this alive and strong? And note that as we read through this. Apart from being a polygamous home filled with envy, strife, jealousy, bitterness, Joseph at a very young age, his dad moved unexpectedly from Hebron to go back to Canaan. So there was an unexpected relocation. An unexpected relocation. So those were the negative internal influences. Let's look at the external influences that surrounded Joseph's life. You know, if tension between his dad and grandfather, Laban, is not enough, the family was now about to move from Hebron to Canaan. And the first thing we noticed that was waiting for Joseph and Jacob was an unsettled family grudge waiting for his return. Why did just Jacob go to Hebron? He ran away because he had cheated, had tricked his brother Esau, and got his child birth right. So he ran away, and for 14 years he stayed in Hebron. And now he was on his way to meet Esau. And young Joseph is in this group. Imagine the tension. Not only there was unsettled family grudge, but there was rape in the family. There was rape in the family. After they settled in Canaan, Joseph's daughter, Dinah, was raped by one of the Shechemites. And Simeon and Levi killed men of the whole city. This is the life Joseph is growing up in. The other influence was there was a major death 
in the family. Two significant people died while Joseph was growing up. First, his mom, and second, his grandfather, Isaac. He lost both of them. But then, there was a new son, a new birth. A new little brother came into the picture. And Joseph now had somebody he can pick on also. <laughs> you see? Benjamin, Benoni, as his mom called him. That's one influence. Another influence that Joseph grew, on, grew into was there was incest in the family. Incest. Reuben, the oldest brother, took Bilhah, his father's concubine, and had intercourse with him in his father's room. And Joseph saw all of this. There was loss of seniority. Three older brothers of Joseph lost their seniority because of their conduct. Simeon, because of his incest. Levi and the other, because of killing the Shechemites. But there was positive influence in Joseph's life. Not all was dark and gloom. There are two things that happened in Joseph's family as he was growing up that had tremendous impact and change in their lives. The first one was just Jacob, his dad's encounter with God. In Genesis 32, 24 to 32, we read of a place where Jacob wrestled with God. And God had to change his name and give him a new focus and tells him, as I was with your father, I am going to be with you. Go and do not fear. And Jacob did one thing. He put up an altar at Bethel. And the family worshipped. And it says at the end of that phrase, that passage, the family enjoyed divine protection. This was one great influence that shone in the life of Joseph right through. Many of us can look back at our upbringing and see many problems with how we were raised. We can get stuck and wallow in those problems and refuse to get help. Looking back at Joseph's life may have brought us some memories. Let me encourage you Put your past in the hands of the sovereign Lord. The one who made you is able to mold you into somebody that he wants you to be. What can we learn from Joseph's story? What can we learn? Here are some things we can learn. Maybe you can put that up as the last slide. That would be great. Here are some lessons you can learn from Joseph's life and his background. 
Unresolved sins or problems never go away. They leave to confront us another day. Keep that in mind. Our past should never be allowed to define our present lives. God will change anyone if we let him. God does not need our help to direct his plans for our lives. Obedience is all he needs. He does not need you or me to help him. God is still in the business of saving and transforming lives. Are you willing? Will you let him? Let us pray. Pause for a moment. Think of your own life. Think of what things you have said to yourself. Oh well, I have no way of changing this. This is the way I was brought up. This is the way things were in our family. Bring them to God right now. Spirit of God, thank you. We love you and we surrender ourselves to you. We know you have plans for our lives. May we be willing to obey and work with you to fulfill those plans. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.